Welcome to Broken Catholic, the show where I interview practicing Catholics, non-Catholics, and recovering Catholics about why the world isn't working right now, and tackle unspeakable topics that many people secretly struggle with but won't admit. See, I believe that God is in the business of transformation, so I'm here to stand for you having a transformation so big that when God is done with you, you're barely recognizable. I'm your host, your coach, your brother, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist, and I freely share my personal struggles of being a modern Catholic man. It's freaking hard. I don't have it all figured out. I'm a work in progress just like you, and that's okay. Today, our featured guest is Matthew Coughlin, and our topic is success. What am I really giving up to become successful? Now, Matthew, this is a big question, especially for us men, right? God wired us a certain way, and we are driven, we're badasses, right? Many of us are type A's and alphas, and man, we like success, success, and it's all about us. Before we get into the topic, tell us really quickly, what do you do? What industry are you in? I'm in community banking, and nice, yeah, it's an opportunity. Yeah, we'll get we'll get there. We'll get into more. Gotcha. All right, cool. So as you guys know, uh, this podcast isn't about our guests and what they've achieved in life, their successes. Although most many of my guests are highly successful uh, individuals, this is about what do they stand for, and and coming on the show is them standing for creating a world that works, uh, because we all can agree, I think that. Right now, the world isn't working. Matthew, why do you think the world isn't working? So, all right, Joseph, I, I, um, I came a little bit prepared, so I'm sorry I have a little bit of a prepared answer. Uh, I, I've thought about uh, this a lot. Are you apologizing for being prepared? Because that's like Well, you're supposed to be on the counterintuitive. spot. Counterintuitive. Yeah, well, you, can, you can see I brought this book <laughs> Oh, don't here. worry. I'll throw you off. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is great. Great. <laughs> Keep me go. on my toes. So, so why isn't the world working, brother? Uh, it's simple. Um, so... It goes back to, this is not my analysis, but just stuff that I've read. It goes really back to the, the Garden of Eden. And so there's this book that I've been reading. You ever, you ever read something and it, it kind of hits you so hard? And you're like, oh, oh my gosh, I need everyone to read this. So I call it a two-by-four moment. Yeah, it was a huge two-by-four moment, and I couldn't get through the, the first 24 pages of this book. It's, uh, it's Witness by Whitaker Chambers. And so basically it goes back to the the age-old question every conflict everything that's come throughout mankind's history is always you know it all stems from the question of god or man and so you know when satan said to adam and eve said you know you'll eat if that if you eat of that tree you shall be as of gods you'll be like god so there's that idea in society that we don't need god i can do everything on my own and like you said to that man inherent nature uh, that 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 you know men have is i can conquer i can do this thing and and the brain my brain is what is god i can change the world look at what we've done look at all the things we've done it's i there's everything relates back to that question if if you take god out of the culture and i used to be one of those people i i loved solving the world's problems through economics i wanted to be an economist and I've had people tell me time and time again, uh, Matthew, the world's problems are because God's out of the equation. It's like, no, 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 no. You, you can graph this. You can show really where yeah. where things went wrong. And like, no, truly, it has to do with their soul. I'd really like to see your graph of why the world's not working, Matthew. Oh, I can show you. I can show you uh, <laughs> supply and demand curves and, and everything like that. That was my my, my past. That may life. be why the economies aren't working. Yep. Yep. <laughs> 
Okay. So yeah, if you're if you're yeah. secular, if you you used to believe that, yo, but that's the thing, Joseph. Everyone thinks that they can solve humanity's problems through the human intellect. Yes, that leads to the world's problems. And here's the here's the you know the irony in that the human intellect was created by God. Isn't that funny? Yeah. He, and yet we want to remove the Creator and believe that we are the Creator, even though we're the creation. Now think about that, right? Imagine if where people are fascinated by AI, right? Oh yeah. Artificial intelligence. Imagine if your smartphone became an artificial intelligence and it eventually said, I don't need you humans anymore, even though you created me. Then we're and living in Terminator and I don't like Yeah, that. and it, it created a Terminator world, right? And without us. How do you think it would do? That's a that's a scary uh, feature. I'd have to ask Elon Musk on that one. Um, yeah, would there be love and compassion and joy and all those other amazing things that make life worth living? Would those exist, or would it be a very mechanical, self-driven existence? Yeah, you hit it on the head. Yeah, and that's why we have. That's why people don't look at human life the same uh, anymore. Human life. Um, doesn't have dignity inherent worth and uh, my mom is actually a hospice nurse and so she deals with death and dying all the time mm. and there are people in that industry not in hospice because they really do a, a great job for the family but she just knows in the medical field that well you know assisted suicide it, it really you don't have any utility at the end of your life and so yeah and what utility does a little fetus have and what, what you know right so if you're things, not useful to the planet then you're expendable right because if you take god out of it god says every human life has dignity every life has worth because it's because you know that life is made in my image if you if you take god out of there you have no grounding in in, in anything it's mm. it's whatever makes sense to you what's right for you is right for you what's right for me is right for me i'm okay and, you're okay and so Bob, it yeah. takes out literally the foundation of this the society it does and, and so, when you take out a foundation the structure can't stand and now you have a world that doesn't work exactly and so i'll wrap up my point by just saying that um, so there's this guy named Dennis Prager. He always talks about cut flower ethics. You know, the, the ethical soil. Cut flower? Cut flower ethics. So you Got have it. flowers, flowers, beautiful flowers that are growing okay. out of this soil. And if you take uh, some scissors and you cut the flowers out of that soil, they'll still look beautiful for a while. They'll mm. still look good. Mm -hmm. And, and you, society might go on. Society is the flower. But if you take it out of the moral soil of God. It's you know, source it, of being. It's source of being, you, you kind of lose. It's like we've, we're running on momentum. You take God out of the equation, you know, everything starts to be questioned. That's why we're living in this world. It, it's everything is being changed. Everything's being questioned because there's mm. no continuity. There's no foundation in God anymore. And so when I finally realized that, I went back to all like the, the mentors and, you know, even my father-in-law, you know, I was like, you're right. It's because they take God out of everything. So that's, um, that's my answer to why the world is is uh is not doing well and, and uh, what it needs is more and it's not even not God. doing well right i don't mean to correct you but i think that's an important distinction it's not about doing well it's it isn't working right there's no workability here we could see where it's headed right instead of love compassion and these these uh, uh different emotional characteristics that make life worth living enjoyable they're being replaced and cannibalized one after another with hatred, divisiveness, 
superiority, uselessness, right? Looking at another and saying, you're not worth anything. You shouldn't exist, right? And right. this becomes uh, like if you used a human intellect, you would say, hold on. There's not a good outcome to this. This is headed down a, traje a trajectory that is not going to end well for humanity because it's literally jungle mentality. It's Lord of the Flies. Yeah. It's survival of the fittest, literally. And if you're not fit, you're expendable. That's right. I mean, so I heard this uh, funny, not funny, it's actually quite scary, but it, uh, so another um, anecdote from that uh, gentleman, uh, public speaker Dennis Prager, who was talking about the Germanic tribes being the toughest group for the Catholic Church to to bring into the fold. The what tribes? The Germanic tribes in Germany. So, so yeah. when the, so when the church was out evangelizing and 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 spreading the the message of the gospel, so the Ten Commandments were so foreign to them because they said, well, because it's human nature. Their human nature was saying, well, why shouldn't I kill Joseph and take everything he has and and steal all of his stuff and have all of his belongings? He's weaker than me, or you know, like we we let's let's go let's go to this family over here and take all they have. Like this is this is our way of life. This is so that was their normal. That was normal, and so hmm. when you're saying to them, I didn't no, know that. No, 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 no. You, you have to, you have to um, accept suffering, and you have to turn the other cheek, and you have to sh give love, and you know, murder is not okay. You can't just murder somebody and take their stuff. <laughs> could, you, could you imagine how that occurred to them? It, it seems so foreign. They, they yeah. kind of, they thought, oh, you guys are silly. Like, uh, why wouldn't I do that? Right. It's advantageous to me. Exactly. So that, um, and so you can, you can take that further you can go okay so now today why wouldn't you do a late term a late term abortion why wouldn't i kill an elderly person who has no utility left in life why if it would benefits me and the rest of society they're dra yeah and 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 so the, all those arguments so like you take the soil and you cut the flowers out of the soil there's no root to it anymore you're, you're not connected to it so you mm. can start to ask those questions and go round and round and round you know, it's interesting because in that analogy that you're bringing up, right, the flower individually starts lying to itself and says, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, even yep. though it's been uprooted and it has no more nourishment coming in through its stem, right? And then it looks at the other flowers and it goes, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. And <laughs> everyone, all the flowers are in denial. I'm okay. You're okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. And they're all slowly dying. And I think... That's where society is right now. Whoa, we just went deep and in a totally different direction, but let's bring it right back to today's topic, which is success. What am I really giving up to become successful? Matthew, when I ask you that question, what are you really giving up to become successful, past, present, or future? What shows up for you? So my idea of success when I was younger was to go to Washington, D.C., was to take that, and I didn't know at the time, but I mean, I didn't even think about this until you just asked me right now, but that mentality, I always had this the idea that, hey, I can fix the world. I, I know problems, and we joke about the economics and the graphs and stuff, but I was like, no, truly, you can solve poverty. You can solve all these things through, you know, opportunity and lifting people up, and I'm rah, 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 let's go, let's go do battle in, in Washington, D.C. Let's, uh, and the, the funny story is that's how I met my wife in calculus class uh, on my way to Washington, D.C. Um, and uh, thank God very much that um, I took that calculus class and went down that path because now I'm happily married and just uh, living for God day in and day out. And, and my family, my one goal is holiness. So, okay, 
my goal now, holiness, my goal back then was fix the world, be like the rest of the secular world, and do it all with my mind. Do everything. But is that a bad intention? No, no. Beautiful intention. Beautiful intention. And that's the thing is that a lot of the evil done in the world. So, like, I, I'm going to reference this book just one more time. Whitaker Chambers' Witness. He is a conv conv um, converted to Christianity from communism. It's the, one of the most famous cases in, of, of espionage in the United States history in the night, mm. right in the uh, the Soviet era. He he was answering the question to his children, but but father, why why would you have done all these bad things? Why would the communists do all these horrible evil things if you had good, you know, didn't you know? And it's like, well, yeah, we we had great intentions, but it was all part of that. It was it was just kind of collateral damage on the side. We knew we were moving towards something beautiful and great in this world. So that, that that's another thing that I started to recognize is that this world, you know, it's um, the ruler of it. Jesus even said the ruler of this world, you know, is going to try to attack you. So the rule of this world is is Satan. And once Joseph, it's been a long process. I could tell you the ups and downs of that uh, of that process, but now it's so back then living for this world in my early 20s. Now, 30 years old, living for the next life, and then training my children and, and passing along and helping them to hopefully connect and basically, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, if they if they do well in this secular world but don't get into heaven, I didn't do my job as a father. So let me ask you this: back then, what do you think you were giving up? knowingly or unknowingly in pursuing that really good intention of saving the world, fixing the world? Family. I thought, uh, you know what? It's, um, it's worth it to leave all this behind in Tampa Bay. Um, uh, connections. I had a job. I was going to leave here and I was going to go there and I was going just to uh, hit it hard. And I was going to, uh, just do everything I could to, you know, just get into the, that was my passion at the time. So, um, what I was giving up was what I would never give up now, which is the roots, the, the, the love, the relationships. I couldn't, I could care less about relationships. In fact, the whole reason why I was going down that road, I was like, there's no roots here. I've been doing, and I think you did an episode on dating and, or maybe, maybe you will, but, uh, being yeah. single. Oh yeah. Being yeah. single. So yeah, it wasn't fun. <laughs> Uh, that whole that whole dating uh, uh, scene is is horrible. What people do to each other, and with all good intentions, of course. Oh, I didn't know bad intentions. What well, intentions don't really matter. Actions matter, and and uh, and the results matter. So, um, yeah, I was giving up relationships, and like I said uh, at the time, I uh, I had different priorities. So when I met my wife in that calculus class, and we'll never know until the day we die, and we hopefully go to heaven. Who from the other world tapped my wife on the shoulder and made her turn around to come look at me because I really, she never turns around to, and talks to anybody in class. And she did that one day and she said, Matthew, I never like years later, like I don't do that. I don't talk to people, but she goes, I felt like a tug, like, like they turn around. So that right there, I wasn't ready uh, to um, switch my priorities, but you know, I think somebody intervened and man, oh man, when, uh, that, that was the beginning of meeting my wife, transforming my priorities from secular world to there's something more here. So what occurred for you in those moments that you, uh, you know, met her and then literally had to kind of like give up those priorities and pursuits of, of success and everything, or at least reshape them, redirect them? Uh, like what occurred for you that was so powerful that you would make that decision as a young man. This is what you were pursuing, dude. 
I was I was literally on my way. I, I was already talking with people in, in D.C. At, uh, at two economic schools and one think tank. And um, what I saw, so it, it was the most beautiful transformation in my whole life. Um, this woman had virtue, had this, this beauty. She was the most beautiful woman, and she's also inwardly the most beautiful woman. And I realized, wow, this is something I would like to – Everything else kind of became quiet. I, I okay, Washington D.C. That's great and all, but truly, this is something I want to go. I, I want to pursue. There's something in my heart saying go, and 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 when we kind of both made the decision, like, are we really going to go down this path? I mean, if we're there's none of this dating game stuff. I'm not going to string you along. You're not going to string me along. It's listen. There's there's a joining here that if we're going to do this, it's for real. And I'm with you, and you're with me. And if this ends, if we're going to to join our lives together in marriage, then that's where we're going. And so when so I you knew that from the beginning, very, very early, it, it, like I had, how, how, how long in? So we went on our first date and it was pretty clear that this was different. So we'd been studying together, you know, quote, studying, you know, like we were just kind of in, in the library. Really? I, I I'm trying to not to have naughty thoughts right now. No, okay. no, 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 no. I, I we were truly in the library, <laughs> but it, you know, it, it was it. more like getting to know each other. Sure. At the, yeah. So, uh, we, I I really didn't need to study. I just really wanted to see her. You want to spend time. With I the wanted girl. to spend time with her. Yes, she lit you up. She did, and she, and she still does. And um, and so there was like I said that connection of uh, on that level that's not physical. Her virtue, her mm. her beauty. So, anyways, I, I, what I used to do was I would stay at work till ten o'clock at night. You talk about success. Hey, I mean, why would I go home? I was single. I had nothing to go back to i didn't even have a cat or a dog i mean no i just had a dog Come i had on. i had my roommate but he was doing the same thing we're out busting trying to make our name for You're ourselves hustling brother Hustle. hustling exactly and so but, but then priorities changed so then joseph i mean i i started to get to know her family and she had all these nieces and nephews then i became uncle matt and i mean that was that was an experience that was a, a great segue into fatherhood is you get to be around a beautiful loving family and see this beauty that like you, you talked about at the beginning if it were only material if this world were only about you know just the flesh then you wouldn't have that transcendent beauty and i saw transcendent beauty and, it, and everything else became secondary i said i want that that is and so that i don't know that was thank god for showing me that beauty because it drew me in and um my wife and i just we didn't even she was catholic i was catholic we went to church every now and then and then now we're starting to get to this point where we're going to get married and success to me still was all right sweetheart um you know i, I have my career and you you want to be a doctor or a, or a physician's assistant and so joseph this is you talk about success so we knew success meant great retirement fund you got a great house you got enough to pay for the kids to go to private school you Who got did Oh, her and I. You know, you just kind of know. I mean, obviously, we're still madly in love, and, and we're, we're willing to give our lives for each other. But the understanding wasn't what it is now. Now, none of that matters. Now, it's it, it is every day about the Lord. And like I said, we're we're getting to that point that the total giving of ourselves to the Lord, even to the point where we're ready to give our lives. So before you go there, right? Because yeah. you know, it's interesting. Uh, like when we have transformations in our life, the way it's occurred for me is that we'll be so excited about where we are that we want to pull everyone to where we are and we forget to build bridges for them the way someone built a bridge for us. 
Oh, yeah. Do you get that? Absolutely. Yeah. So take us back to what you were wrestling with back then. Let's spend a, a few moments there, right? Yeah. Um, so with that success, with uh, you pursuing your uh, career and then her pursuing a medical career, which is very intense and years and years and years of schooling. And but you're both in love. You know, you're right for each other. Bring us back there. Tell us more of that story. What were the where were the friction points? Great question. So here's it was our we had just gotten married. She had just uh, graduated from USF and she was going to three different interviews at PA schools, one in Orlando, one in Fort Myers and the other one in Tampa. And, and so. I can't even imagine I, I, life. Thank God. I really thank the Lord that she did not, and she thanks the Lord too, that she did not get into PA school that, and she was only 21 at the time. So they had more qualified candidates with more experience. So if she had gotten in that first time, I mean, my first year of marriage would have been, Hey, you're going to do your profession. Mm -hmm. That's great. We're going to be, Hey, we're going to have wealth and security later on in life. Wonderful. Uh huh. But I'm not going to be with you and we're not going to have, it's, it would have been different. It would have been different had she gotten in and, Man, the secular world would have seen it as a success. Look at how hard they're working for their futures. And But really, though, um, I would have been apart from my wife for two years, and she would have been apart from me, and that would have been a, a strain. We would have, and we tell ourselves, you know, today, like, well, if that had happened, you know, we truly would have gotten through it, but still it would have been different. So that was that success. And then so uh, what happened next was so she didn't get in. Okay, so then she got a job as a medical assistant at a, at a great doctor's office, and the problem with that was it. she was working so hard that first year of marriage, and so was I, and we would get home, and she would be exhausted. I, we have a joke because I have a photo album from our first year of marriage of how many times I would snap a picture of her while she's sleeping by the time <laughs> I got home because she was so exhausted all the time. So she hates me for that. Doesn't hate me for it. At but least she didn't do like the Sharpie eyebrows. I, didn't, I wasn't that. Yeah, I did that with my friends in college, but not, not to my wife. Um, I might do it to my daughters, but, um, anyways, so that was stressful. Now she was applying for PA school again. Here we go. We're, we're going with the, with, with the dream, right? The American dream. We're both going to be working, making good money. And then, uh, we found out that she was pregnant hmm. and that was, it was how many years into the marriage that was a year. No, it was probably. Let's see, no, not a year. Uh, uh, about seven or eight months into the marriage. Okay, so you're still new, newlyweds at that right. moment. Yeah, for sure. And so what ended up happening was, she was working really hard. She was pregnant. We were all happy. We were so excited. And then she, um, she had a miscarriage on Christmas Eve, and uh, it was, um, it wasn't a. It was a beautiful experience for the two of us in the terms of what it did for bonding us together. She will always go back to that and say, I know how much you love me because of the way that you were at that moment when that was happening at our house. And mm. um, we had a bad experience with the, you know, the, the OBGYN was very, he wasn't empathetic. He was just kind of like, it, it's a it, it hit real quick, secular worldview of the thing. That's a problem. Let me solve it. Let me get in there with some forceps and try to, you know, like let's let's solve this. And my wife was like, "You don't even have any any compassion or empathy. Like we're we're going home." And so that was uh, that was a kind of a turning point. It made us question everything that we're doing. And so meanwhile, the priest, uh, Father John, 
from where we got married, he was asking us, he said, you guys are really good with the youth. Every time you come to mass, you kind of play around with the kids and you have a lot of fun. He's like, you should come back and you should help out. You should do the youth group. And so from our perspective, well, Lauren's going to be a PA, but you know what? We're starting to re-question what does success mean? So we did. We went back. Uh, the Holy Spirit called us to uh, St. Anne Catholic Church, and we were youth ministers for three years. And that experience right there, I mean, and, and Joseph, so like I said, we're coming back to our faith. And at that point, we didn't really have the faith that we have now, But and it was such a gradual thing. But when you have to teach kids, you darn well better know it. So we kind of dove right in. And, um, well, you don't have to know your faith. You just have to know a little more than they do. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's considered an expert. Unless you got a smart out <laughs> kid who, who thinks he knows it all and then is challenging and everything, which we did have and one or two you're like, those. go to the back of the class and shut up. I was like, I don't know. Why don't you go pray about it? <laughs> uh, no, but that was uh, so that was a transformational experience. So, so what made you say yes if like you weren't really devout in your faith, right? You both were kind of like, you're practicing, but you're not practicing, right? right? You're doing the bare minimum. Priests invite you to, you know, come in and teach the youth about your faith. Like, what showed up for you? Like, if you're not living it yourself. So at, at the very at the very beginning, um, so we we knew it was important. We knew that um, we had been praying. We've been saying, Lord, you know, there's there's more to this life. We just went through this experience with you know l- you know losing a child, and now we're. We're trying to find out, you know, what – slowly we started to ask the question, what's really important in life? And PA school was no longer really important. That's a good question to ask. If you're listening right now, listen to what Matthew's saying here. And don't miss this. I think this is really important. You know, if you're wrestling with, you know, what is life about? You know, what what is my version of success look like? You know, what what he's sharing today is that – what you currently think success is may not be what success actually is. Not the success that's going to create what you're looking for, which is that feeling of, of fulfillment, peace, joy, right? All those things. Because that's what we really want. We don't want the car. We don't want the big home. We want the feelings that those things create for us. Is that True or false? I'm over here shaking my head and giving you thumbs up because that's exactly what it was. We found more peace and more joy in in that experience than we'd ever had in in, in my job. I that and so if my other fellow bankers are listening to me, I hope they would understand that I found more joy in serving the Lord in passing on faith to the kids and all the struggles that it was. It wasn't just, hey, come out and let's play some kickball and dodgeball and, you know, let's do some crazy stuff because I'm a little bit nuts with those kids. And I, You know, we, we do some crazy stuff. That was fun. But that's not where the joy was. The joy, and, and it wasn't all, you know, sunshine and roses either. My wife and kids I. Kids could be pains in the butt. I, I mean, I taught, yeah. you know, Sunday school to seventh and eighth graders for three years. And let me just say, those kids are professional narcissists. <laughs> So under understatement there, yeah, that is, culture does a does a number on them. So uh, there was a lot of suffering involved too, because I mean, hey, we live up in New Tampa, Tampa Palms, and hey, we're driving down the opportunities down in Saint Anne in Ruskin, and I work in Carrollwood, so we're doing this big triangle uh, movement. And well, for for our listeners that live in different countries, give us a good point. So yeah, it's about distance. An, yeah, so an hour drive 
through traffic to an hour and a half drive through traffic to get down there. So it, it, uh, we, ma- we made the um, comparisons. It's like, Joseph, we're getting on this rocket ship and we're just coming in with all this energy, all of our, you know, just, yeah, our whole selves landing there, you know, blowing it up, let, you know, praying having building relationships staying there way longer than we probably should have then then flying on getting packing everything up getting back on that rocket ship flying back out to home base then me going to work the next day lauren you know um at this at some point you know she um we had the child we had our firstborn and uh so uh that made it a little bit more difficult so when you're driving an hour and a half through traffic and you have a screaming kid you know, it was a few few tears my wife had kind of like this is a little bit stressful so what i'm hearing you say matthew is that you weren't just taking on what God was calling you to do, but you were taking on the sacrifice of what God was calling you to do. That is the beauty of it. Is um, and so that that is that concept of redemptive suffering. That suffering can actually uh, be redeeming, and that you are doing it out of love. So to, to say that I love something or I love my wife, uh, true love is. Yeah, I actually one of the things that we showed the the kids was the, the Charlie Brown, you know, is like what is love? You know, I forget Linus. He goes, "What does love look like?" And then so I think Charlie Brown points him to the cross and says that that's what love looks like, giving your life, and that that's giving your life for another. And that's what when Lauren and I got married, that was the uh, the scripture was no greater love does one man have than to lay down his life for his friends. And so we were laying down our lives for people that. The kids and their families, the relationships that we were building, there was true, and, and we weren't doing it. That's the thing that we started to realize is that some of the most incredible things, the transformations in lives that were happening, this was so spectacular. It, it was beyond what I do at the bank with spreadsheets and, you know, this and that. That That's great that, you know, we're truly helping people that way. But this was relationships. These were uh, bringing God. And, and the more we got into our faith and the more we got into scripture, the more we got into prayer is okay. Now we're, we're actually able to just point people back to him. And, and that he ended up being the one who was, who was solving the problems. And, 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 mm. and, and Joseph, there's so many stories from that time of our lives that just it, we will never forget it. And we know now that is that success living for others and doing it for the Lord. That is, that's what truly started to uh, let us know that, hey, th- my life is not my own. Mm. And we didn't realize that 100% because we would still do, there's still things in, in our faith that we didn't fully understand. Now, it, like I said, it, it, it's an incremental journey. It's You do not change overnight. If you yeah. So speak to us about that, you do not change overnight, right? So you know this, right, Matthew? As humans, we like to withhold stuff from God. Yeah, and it's our little, you know, you think uh, Lord of the Rings, my precious, oh, yeah. my precious, right? We, we hold that. This is mine, and it, 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 it consumes us, right? It becomes our God. Uh, for some of us, it's success. For me, it was. It was success. It was uh, the achievement of wealth. It was the hustle of entrepreneurship, uh, and it was where I was going. It was my dreams are more important than everyone around me and everything and if you're you're in my way i will wreck you and 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 that's how i showed up in life right so take us to where you were leave your wife out of this part i want to know where you were matthew 
And what were you holding back from God that he wanted you to let go of so that he can do the work and call you to what he had for your life and has for your life? That is uh, a great question. So that, what I was holding back was... And don't try to look good in this. No, I tell you straight up. I mean, it was simple to me. So there's this vision that everyone has of, of, of hey, this is success. Um, for some people, it's it's a large house. Maybe it's a house on the beach, a condo. You got the kid, a car, da da da. So for me, it was hey, my wife is, a, is she okay? I'll leave right. I just say, but the the, the the vision was our family on some land. You know, just get some land because right now we're living in a very tight condo community that has some issues and we're working through those so it's like let's get out let's have some land let's have some money let's have some leisure let's have some time to go do things the way we want to do it let's kind of like i don't know little house in the prairie but not so you know back not totally dating yourself right now so we need (laughs) yeah so just something where you could live the life of leisure yeah so you had good intentions we got it the american dream boom got exactly but Maybe that's not what uh, what God was wanting. So I was pursuing a lot of things to try to make more money. It was all about making more money to to make the paycheck to go ahead and start building towards that. Mm-hmm. And it was even at the time when we were still serving and doing the youth group, it was more focused on that. I wasn't yet asking the question as I have been over the last year. All right, God, it's you're not just the God. Uh, you're not just the Lord of you know my marriage. You're not just the Lord of my you know sundays you're the lord of every moment of my life you're the lord of my six my nothing i have in this world is because of me i i participate with the grace that you give me so i am saying yes to you but it's all from you and and i'm yours and use me as you see fit and when i fall pick me up and i will say yes to you continually always and that's the I wasn't there yet. I was still wanting to make a lot of money. I was still wanted to be all things. It was, but it was Matthew's way. It was Matthew's way. And instead of that, it was, it, it wasn't the Lord's way. And so, so what specifically were you holding back that you just wouldn't give to him? So you probably know, everyone knows you only have 24. Let's how many hours do you have in a day when you're awake, right? You have so many hours. So that extra time, what was I doing with that extra time? Was I, I was I was working for money and I was not working for God. I wasn't I didn't even know God. I I, I mean I was living the faith that, but my my prayer life wasn't where it needed to be. God was saying to me at that time, "Listen, you need to give me your mornings, you need to give me your evenings, you need to give me your your thoughts and you need to pray and you need to read the Bible because how are you going to know me? Yeah, yes, you go to mass every Sunday. And yes, like that is beautiful. And you go to confession twice a year. <laughs> I mean, but that's not enough because I want to know you so much more and I want you to know me so much more. And I didn't get that, but I had a few people in my life, uh, some people that you and I know that uh, great mentors, great spiritual mentors, and they were telling me you need to get into the word. So that time became, and it was J- Joseph, it really felt like I was giving something up. So you talk about success. It's like, listen, I'm a great programmer. I, yes, I'm a banker, but hey, I'm a really great programmer. If I could just get this this program up and running and I could sell something, I can make some money for my family. We can get to that little house in the prairie and we could get some cows for my wife who loves cows. You know, that would be wonderful. And the kids would be running around, it'd be great, blah, 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 blah. 
Um, but that wasn't what God was saying. God's like, that's not important. You're not living for this life. You're living for the next life. And I need to know you and you need to know me because I, eventually I'm going to send you out on mission and your life is not your own. It's mine. And, 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 and I'm with you. So that transformation happened because God put people in my life that were telling me, you need to read the Bible. What did God do? What did he need to take out of your life to remove? Sometimes he does it aggressively. Oh, yeah. What did he need to remove from your life in order to get you there? Um, Where he got your attention, like that two-by-four moment, right? Boom, upside the back of the head. So maybe this one wasn't a two-by-four moment because sometimes our are those moments but the, uh, okay you want to hear a two by four moment Be- yeah that's what i asked before <laughs> i like you well this it. is but this goes this goes <laughs> back this yeah right this this goes back to um when i was probably 20 years old fine take us there 20 years old uh hadn't graduated from usf um suffering from very bad depression uh debilitating depression thought uh Thought about dropping out. Uh, luckily, my parents loved me more than um, than I than I'll ever be able to repay them for. That uh, they they really supported me. I was in a horrible relationship at the time, and uh, not 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 that person's fault, not my fault, but just when people aren't meant to be, they're not meant to be. And they, uh, like I said, my family supported me, but I was going down the wrong path. And so my buddy and I, uh, who's also named Matt. We were running on this trail out in the out in the woods, and by the way, at this time, I'm lying to my family who's supporting me. I'm lying to them. Like I have no honor. I, I I'm violating the commandment, honor thy mother and father, and I'm lying to them about my relationship, my finances, how well I'm doing in school. Oh yeah, everything's fine. Really, I'm I'm sinking. I'm depressed. I'm one of those guys that goes to school and did, does phenomenal through high school, sports, straight A's, all honor, all that stuff. You go to college secular world ate me up and spit me out i i had nothing because i didn't have god that's what i realized now at this age stage of my life is i didn't have god so i was lost i got involved in a lot of stupid things i never did drugs thank good well yeah i, I did <laughs> yeah you know you know you get a handful of times uh some some weeds bad influences right mm-hmm. so things that like that's not what god wants for you and so i had this sense that like i, I felt so guilty Okay, so with a sense of guilt, being depressed, being really out of shape, overweight, letting myself go, just not happy with life, Joseph, it's going downhill, man. It, it was not pretty. And my friend and I go for a run because he's trying to help me get back in shape. And so we're running on, on this trail called Flatwoods. And it's not a cloudy day. It really wasn't. It's a sunny day. It's a sunny afternoon. And there are not really that many clouds above us yet we're walking after it's a seven mile loop and so we're we're, we're kind of walking a, a mile or two to kind of catch up breath and rest and then all of a sudden i don't want to break your microphone but i i can't replicate if i were to the the, the sound of the cracking of, of 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 thunder and then the flash of lightning i saw the flash before it hit and i heard the rip through the air it I can't describe it. If anyone's ever been been next to lightning when it struck, you will know what I'm talking about. It dropped me to my knees. The hair on my friend's neck stood up. The hair on the back of my neck stood up. And it struck this tree right next to us. 
not very far away. I mean, I don't know how, 20, 30 feet away mm. and cracked. He did not think anything of it. He was like, wow, we almost died. Like, that was cool. Like, wow, pretty nuts. Let's keep going. Me, that, that message I don't believe was meant for him. It was meant for me. The only thing, the only thought that popped into my mind at that time was, was Matthew, you know there's a God. You know you were created for more. You know that you're dishonoring your mother and your father, and you know that that you know God is 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 telling you right now, get up, come back to me, and start this journey back to me because you're not meant for this. You're going down a spiraling downhill hole, and it's not looking pretty. And so as we start walking back, there's a three and a half mile walk back to the parking lot. Guess what happens? The, now the storm comes in. Now we see thunder and lightning, and you know, we see lightning hitting in the distance. This was like a, a lightning bolt, and so we're walking into the storm. I have never prayed so hard as I did at that moment for the next three miles, and then my body started cramping up, and so I wasn't moving very fast, and I'm just you know twitching and shivering and and just like praying to God, God, I give, I, I'm I, I'm sorry for everything, and so like I said, my friend Matt Cook, oh sorry. Give him last names out. But, yeah, he, he was like, yeah, I, he goes, I don't care. He goes, this is not uh, a big deal. He goes, yeah, let's just try not to get hit by lightning and get back. But for me, that was a point where that was a two-by-four saying, Matthew, change your life. I get back mm. to the car. I go straight to the phone call uh, to the phone. I call my parents. I spill the beans to them about everything. And with loving, open arms, they, they accept me, and, they're, and, and they just they love me. I don't know why I was afraid. So that was dishonesty, you know, living in my life. And um, the, the transformation back was all about just learning how to be honest, learning how to, how to, how to be okay, being vulnerable, and, um, and being accepting of love. And my parents, I owe them, I truly owe them my life. I owe so many people my life, but um, the love that they showed me when I deserved, uh, I didn't deserve it. Um, I, only, it's only God's grace. That's, that's the only thing it is. I get that. Thank you for sharing that. And I could see you had no intention of sharing that story. And that just came up. You're like, fine. You want me to answer your question? Fine. Here you go. You want lightning? I'll give you lightning. Right? And you know what? I got, I got chills at the end of your story there because that was God's love. And he came to you. And, and I get that in a very real way. Uh, way in my own life, right? When I was out in the darkness and I was the one sheep that was lost and he left the 99 sheep to come and get me because he loves me that much and he loves you that much. And as you're listening right now to this podcast, to this show, and you heard Matthew's story, know that God loves you that much. So if you're finding yourself in a very dark place, in a depressed place, in a place where your life isn't working, just know that you can look up and say, God, I need help. And he will come. And it may not be in the way you think, but your father will come. And maybe you say, well, Joseph, I don't believe in God. And then I say, well, how's your life working out without him? Right? And sometimes all you need to say is, God, I don't believe you exist. If you really exist, show me in my life that you exist. And he will. The question is, are you man or woman enough to ask that question? Or are you a wuss who just wants to play it safe and comfortable in life 
and then find out when you die that you were wrong and it's too late. I don't want that for you. I'm standing for you. That's why I do this show. I'm standing for you having a transformation in your life so big that when God's done with you, you're barely recognizable. And I mean that. That means your life, just like Matthew, he now occurs differently to his friends and family. He's barely recognizable from the young man that was broken and depressed and overweight back then. He's different because he allowed God in. And that's what God wants to do with your life. He wants you to let him in and let him be God. And you stop trying to be God in your life, right? And, and, and I'm speaking to myself in this, right? Success, success, whatever your version of success is. For Matthew, it was a humble life with money and good things and a retirement fund. That's cool. I know some of you listening right now, you're like some of my buddies, man. It's not about a humble life. It's about a glorious life, right? Mansions, big cars, Ferraris, Lamborghinis, women everywhere, right? And everyone like snapping pictures of you because you are the man or the woman, right? And you made it. Listen, it's all smoke. It's all smoke. It's like grabbing at the wind. Literally, you can't catch it. It's like chasing a horizon. You'll never get there. It's an illusion. It's a lie. What is real is what Matthew's sharing right now. What's real is that you want those feelings. God put a hole in your heart that could only be filled with him. He's your creator, right? It's like his fingerprint. He literally put a thumbprint in each of our hearts that only can be accessed like a fingerprint unlock card. And it's, it's God's thumb that can unlock that part of you. And that's the part you crave. And, and you're trying to fill it with the fancy cars and success and houses and stuff. And every person I ever interview or speak with tells me after they chased it for 40 years, they realized it was empty. It was a lie. It was an illusion. I've done it myself. I retired early at 25, 24 years old or whatever. Partied like a rock star for five years. I had what every guy wants. Women, cars, money. I had it. It was empty. I was in the most depressed state of my life when I had everything that the society tells me I wanted. So, Matthew, thank you for letting me go off on a little rant there. You inspired that rant. This rant sponsored by Matthew Coughlin. It was beautiful. Couldn't agree more. What shows up for you in that, Matthew? Yeah. So, really, it's so funny how much you can, the light bulbs will go off, how much God will speak to you if you just open up his word and read it. So, you just described Ecclesiastes. I love that book. I had it all. I had the women. I had the wealth. I had the wisdom. I had all these things. But ultimately, in the end, it is God. God is the only thing that fulfills and, and, and suffices. And so now, knowing this, knowing that God is the only thing, it's so to somebody who doesn't, I'm going to speak to those who don't understand yet because they haven't experienced this. So when people would talk to me and say, Oh yeah, I you know I love the Lord. It's like I, I didn't understand them. I don't. You know, do you know the Lord? Do you have a personal relationship with the Lord? Well, I go to mass, and you, you know I, I I I get it. I I get the grace through the communion, and I try to go to confession. But 
no, 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 truly to get to know the Lord is the first step. So with me, it started out with fear. That's ultimately, I mean, aren't we all kind of afraid when you, before you have that trust, if you have complete and utter trust, you are like one of the saints. You're ready to lay down your life. If you have never heard about St. Maximilian Kolbe, go learn about him. Go learn about some of the saints who willingly, lovingly accepted suffering for the Lord and for his glory. And they did it. And it was, why? Why would they do it? Why would and Paul even and even writes this? He says, why am I doing all this? Why am I putting my life on the line all the time? It's because I have trust in the Lord. There, That's faith. So for me, it started out with fear. I feared dying and I feared, and ooh, this is just reminding me of something uh, my wife told me. So very early on in our marriage, Joseph, um, when I did still have those grand ambitions, those worldly ambitions, she looked at me and she said, and we don't have any, uh, any, any issues, but this was an issue at the very beginning. Um, and thank God it is no longer. But she said, Matthew, I am worried. Like, I love you, but I'm worried that this life that we have together, you know, if we have children and we, you know, what if you don't get to go off and solve problems and go to DC or go, you know, uh, do something grand in the world? What if you don't get to do all that? What if your dreams, your, your dreams of, of your youth don't come true? What if you're not a politician? What if you don't, you know, what if you're not all these things that you wanted to be and problem solver extraordinaire? What if you're not? Am I enough? You know, is this life enough? And I, That's I took a good question. I told her, I said, yes, yeah, of course, Lauren, of course it is. And she said, I, I really hope that's my one fear. It's my one fear. So now. Were you honest with her in that moment? Yes. Or looking back? No, because that's the love there. So I, I, I understood that fear. I was honest with her and said, you will always be. And and now that I knew that it was a fear, uh, the woman that I love with all my heart and soul, I was like, okay. she's. And so that was another moment where God was saying, come back to me. Let me show you the real fulfillment in life now. One thing I told those kids in youth group, we would separate the boys and the girls. And sometimes we have, you know, private conversations with them and say, listen, you know, all that stuff you you think you want to be the big macho man you want to be. None of that really matters. I said what you should pursue with all your heart is you should run towards God, seek him and everything. And when you fall, when you stumble, because we all do, you have to get up and you have to keep going back to him. He 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 wants you and you must want him. And that means getting into his work, like all the technical things that, you know, that help you to do this. God's going to put people in your life. Joseph, you were put in my life. Other uh, great uh, uh, male and female spiritual mentors put in my life and, and just saying yes to it. Like I just recently had a career change that I didn't see coming at all. And I said yes to it because I think it's an opportunity to be outside the walls of my institution and to share the gospel. And it's already happened. And yes, I'm still a banker, but I'm not doing this because I wanted this. I'm doing it because it was a gradual tugging of the Holy Spirit. And so with my wife now, my my answer to her, she has, without any fear at all, she knows her and I, we both love the Lord more than we love each other. And we love each other more than we love anything else um, in this world. I love my family and I'm willing to give my life for them. It, It literally means I don't care. I've never been at that point where I could say, I don't care if I die tomorrow. I'm happy. I'm satisfied because 
I'm living my life for the Lord, and and it brings me peace. I think that's powerful, Matthew, what you're saying right now, because that's really our topic that you just summed it up so well, I think. You know, what am I really giving up to be successful? And what what you were giving up in your early 20s, even though you were pursuing these things, you were pursuing it down the wrong path that didn't lead to those things, right? So you were giving up what God wanted for you and wanted to give you, which was the love, peace, joy, fulfillment, all those things we desire, right? That was his path to the right. And you were chasing your path to the left, which promises love, peace, joy, success, fulfillment, all that stuff. But then when you get there, it's empty. It's a dead end. Could you imagine spending 40 years of your life traveling down one road that promises at the end is gold, treasure, and fulfillment, and then you get there, and it's just an empty like hole with a dead-end sign saying you're an idiot? I <laughs> tricked you? Yeah. that's the. Think about that because that's what should be occurring to you as you're listening to the show right now. What if what Joseph and Matthew are sharing right now? What if? And that's all we want you to ask. Don't agree with us. Don't take our word for it. Just ask yourself the question, what if I'm wrong? What if the path I'm on doesn't lead me to where I think it is? What if it's the very thing I don't think that there is a God? What if that actually is the right path? Wrestle with that. Ask God about it. If you don't believe in him, that's fine. Say, I don't believe in you, Lord. I don't believe in you, God. If you're real, show me you're real. I've had friends do this. And they went from atheists or agnostics to Christians in a moment. Why? Because God started showing up in their life in a way that was personal to them and undeniable. And he didn't come through their head, their intellect. He came through their heart. So with that, Matthew, we're going to enter the confession round. Are you ready? I love confession. Okay, cool. I'm not a priest, so it's not that type of confession. <laughs> so, Matthew, I'm going to uh, ask you 12 quick-fire questions, and you'll have three seconds to answer each. First thing that comes to you, there's no right answer here, okay? You got it. You ready? All right. What's your favorite thing about being an adult? The responsibility. What's your least favorite thing about being an adult? I got nothing. Sure you do. Least favorite thing about being an adult for you? Uh, oh yes, yeah, much harder to stay in shape. <laughs> <laughs> That's an original one. Okay, what secret fear do you have about people? Secret fear do I have about people? Um, I'm an incredibly trusting person, and so much so an open book that it is. Uh, I've been told by uh, attorney friends and even my wife, "Hey, you need to." You need to be wise in addition to trusting. You need to be wise. Don't. So what's your secret fear about them? A secret fear? Well. That what? They're going to screw you over? No. Nah, see, I don't even. Because even if. I, I, I really don't have a fear about. Uh, about Well. Actually, I'll take that back. So we. Uh, Get it out. You got it, Juan. I see it. I see it on you. I like being around people who. Um. I want to be around the, the, the good influences, but I also want to, okay, what f I know we're called to work with the poor and then, and then the people who are downtrodden, but sometimes I get into that mess and to the ugliness of the world, and what does, uh, what does scare me is that, hey, you can get burnt, man. You can get— Who can? 
I can, my family can, getting into the messiness of people's lives and bringing the gospel to people, do you think the devil wants you to do that? You can get burned. So, yeah, that is my fear. So that's what scares you is other people's mess and dirt will get on you. And those if you, you get involved in, 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 in helping and— uh, I get that. Yeah. Cool. If you could be anyone for the next seven days just for fun, trade places with anyone in the world, who would you trade places with? I don't know why it was popped into my mind, but Bishop Barron. My wife will laugh at that. But uh, <laughs> Bishop Barron or maybe, yeah. Gotcha. If I could say Mother Teresa, if she was still cool. here with don't us. Don't overthink these. These are three-second answers, bro. <laughs> I, know, I know you're an intellectual politician, dude. Here we go. <laughs> what, do you, what do you wish you were better at? Being patient. Got it. What dream are you scared of pursuing? Politics. What makes you smile more than anything? My wife. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? A politician. If you had the power to remove any one form of suffering in the world tomorrow, what would it be? Emptiness and depression. Imagine sometime in the distant future and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it. Um, he served the Lord. He raised a holy family. And he loved others the way Christ loved the world. Got it. Matthew, when you die, what would you like to hear God say when you walk through the pearly gates? With a big smile, I hope he says, uh, Son, um, I, 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 I forgive you for everything you've done, and I, and, uh, and I love you, and welcome home. And last question, if you could come back to life after you died, God let you come back and share only one thing with your family and friends, what advice would you give them? Run to God. Run to him right now. Don't waste. Do not delay. Get going. I think they would listen because you'd be like a ghost and it would like freak them out. Yeah. So. All right, cool. <laughs> so, Matthew, what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you if you so choose? I'll give my email address. It is... M-C-O-U-G-H-L-I at mail.usf.edu. It's my first initial and last name, but USF does this thing where they cut off your last initial. So it's mcoughley at mail.usf.edu. Did you say Coughley or Coughlin? Coughley. I, I, my, my, it's okay, it's Coughlin, but they, they gotcha. chopped off the end. So. I thought I messed up on your name or something. So. No. Gotcha. Um, Matthew, thank you for joining us today, and we wish you the love, forgiveness, and transformation of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Cheers, brother. Thank you, Joseph. Friends, I'm Joseph Warren, and you were made for greatness. Head over to BrokenCatholic.com to learn how to stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and remember that God the Father loves you, He's fascinated by you, and He wants to show you His awesome plan for your life. Now go spend quiet time with him, and I'll see you on the next show.